Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh to all of our viewers and listeners. And assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh to my guest today, Sheikh Zahib. How are you today? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, doing fine. How are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm well, I'm well. Um, so, mashallah, the Sheikh is joining us from Edmonton, Canada, where the weather's very warm today, I hear. Um, <laughs> it's not that bad, actually. It's only minus 22 degrees Celsius. Yeah, see, he's not doing oh. too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, we've had worse. We've had worse. But, mm. mashallah, Sheikh Zaheb is a graduate of Darulum uh, Chatham. Um, he is a student of one of my good friends, uh, Maulana Yus- Mufti Yusuf Sahab. And what's it called? Uh, Mashallah Mufti Saab is has been a guest on the podcast and he's been a friend for many, many decades now, even though he doesn't look that old. Um, but Mashallah Sheikh works with the youth in Edmonton and his local masjid. He's an imam. He's opened his own institute recently. He can talk about that a little bit if he wants. And, you know, he's just working hard trying to keep the youth engaged and trying to keep, you know, uh, the youth and the elders and everybody coming to the masjid and active with the masjid. Um, I don't know. I probably left out a lot um, <laughs> about you, but you know, I, I don't really know him that well, but he's, you know, graciously accepted the invite to the podcast. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm happy, happy to join. Um, but what's it called? Um, what is, what is the name of your institute that you just started? So it's a Mihrab Institute. Okay. And mm-hmm. what is, what is the, basically the, the premise you guys will be giving classes yeah, so it's really about making, you know, when it comes to, for example, you know, I'm sure you're aware of the, how the madrasas work in the system, yeah. the Nizami and all, and uh, just trying to make those higher Islamic education books and courses more accessible, mm-hmm. you know, to the average Muslim uh, who's in school, college, work, young professionals. And we just really want to make these courses and programs structured in a way where they're able to not only commit to them, uh, but go about and complete them with all the responsibilities that's going on. So that's the main gist of it. And we're really in our early stages as of now. We just had our first seminar uh, mm-hmm. this past Sunday. So we have much to go with, inshallah, with your du'as and your support. We'll get there. Inshallah, inshallah. Um, he's a good friend of uh, Maulana Muhammad Umar. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what's it called? Uh, so... The reason the reason he's on today is the topic is quite an interesting topic from my perspective, um, and obviously from his perspective as well. Um, it's fun doesn't have to be haram. Everybody thinks that fun things are haram or fun things can't be halal. That's not true. You can have plenty of fun. You can have plenty of gatherings which are halal. You just you know have to make you know you just have to make your mindset. And a lot of times it's about the mindset. That when we see, and especially, you know, I know this keeps on coming up almost in every podcast episode, social media. But honestly, social media is so ingrained in our lives that on a micro and a macro level, we see the effect it's having good and a lot of bad on society. Just the other day, like I was, uh, you know, it was all over the news. There was a girl who was, I think, Miss USA or something like that. She was actually from Charlotte. She jumped off of the 29th story and you know she committed suicide very successful huge social media following um you know she she was a she was a lawyer she had an mba she was a news reporter she she basically whatever anybody in the world wants she had it all but yet she was still depressed and to most 
you know, people from the outside looking in, that would be the perfect life. Mm-hmm. But it's not always about, you know, perfection from what society sees. It's about what brings peace to you. And a lot of times the things which we consider fun may not bring peace to us because they're not really peaceful things. They're like um, short-term, you know, sort of like a, a Red Bull. They may give you a jolt, but after that you feel like, what have I actually done? So that was the reason for, you know, doing this topic is a lot of times we make back decisions because we think things are fun. But in reality, they're not really as fun in the long term. And, you know, that's why I wanted to bring you on because, alhamdulillah, you do a lot of programs with the youth. You're really involved. You yourself, you're a young guy. You're not an old guy. Like I, I like to think that, but uh, <laughs> the more I stay in this field and the more youth I actually see, the less I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> staying strong to that. <laughs> but what's it called? But no, alhamdulillah, ma- mashallah, you're a young guy. Um, you know, obviously, as, as you move along, you know, into your later 20s, you'll see that the uh, the struggle of the the younger guys more and more but you know dealing with that on a daily basis i think you went a few weeks ago on a ski trip and you do so many things with the youth it, that was one of the reasons for bringing you on and when i saw your instagram page i'm like this guy mashallah he's doing a lot of stuff with the youth i need to talk with this guy and that was the mindset about it mm-hmm. and you know that that was honestly the reason and i spoke with muhammad Umar. i'm like oh, okay um tell me a little bit more about him and he told me about you and that was the whole reason and the purpose i'm like this guy looks like he's doing something with the youth super actively involved and he's making things halal fun so why not mm-hmm. so what's it called um just what is what how you know how did you get into working with the youth can you you know give me an idea of that what happened how did this happen right yeah so alhamdulillah when uh, after i graduated um it wasn't too long before uh i started up with this imamat position that i'm currently at here in edmonton uh so of course um new position and added a new masjid so alhamdulillah i got a lot of chance to lay out the roots and you know form things and form the community how i you know felt that uh, we can go forward with and of course you know i was doing my regular programs and whatnot and then the topic came up not only from uh you know the parents and the musallis and the management but you know youth programs and so i started doing some digging and i found that unfortunately um really lacking in terms of programs in terms of uh you know alternatives that we have for the regular youth and the average teenager so that's really when i started getting you know into that looking into it and that's when alhamdulillah we started up uh, yme young muslims of edmonton and the goal of that really was um to make events where not only do we bring the youth to the masjid but also inculcate some matter of fun activities anything that will not only attract them but at least they take something out of it as well and uh alhamdulillah most of our events are held at the masjid Uh, if they're not held at the masjid then we make sure we at least meet there uh in the beginning or we come back to there all right just so we have that aspect of the masjid within their lives and really alhamdulillah you know time after time event after event we see not only is uh, our community growing, uh, the group itself is growing, but uh, the benefits, you know, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help and, you know, the du'as of the parents and the community itself, uh, we've seen a great uh, success in that aspect when it comes to the youth that we see at the masjid. Okay, mashallah, that's awesome. That's amazing. And obviously the topic is going to get deeper. This is just the surface. And, you know, we're going to start talking about the challenges and the ideology. It all comes down to ideology a lot of times. Where, you know, one of the questions which was sent to me was about, you know, ulama, shuyukh, um, 
how can we change the perception that our scholars and youth leaders are not just angry teachers, but rather mm -hmm. fun-loving, you know, fun-loving people like ourselves, where, you know, we enjoy doing things like, you know, right. you, you enjoy going out, you enjoy eating out, you enjoy doing these things. But whenever anybody thinks, obviously, this was back in the day, I remember I would go to Pakistan and we'd go to Madrasa and we'd see the Ostadi and the Ostadi would be an angry guy. But, you know, obviously <laughs> in the West, you know, a lot of that has changed even as teachers have gotten younger and more local. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, it's the whole culture difference. That's what it is. Right, right. Yeah, so it, it definitely comes down to that, like you just mentioned there, like the whole culture difference, right? Um, of course, maybe, you know what, 20, 30 years ago or back home in Pakistan and in India, we didn't need a ski event to bring the youth to the masjid, right? Your, your dad telling you at that time that, you know, Asad called to the masjid, that was enough. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately for, you know, be it a generational gap or where we are, our environment, education, society, it's just not enough. All right. And, you know, a child, your teenager will come to the masjid three, four or five times. But once he hits that age of, you know, where he has his own up and now he has his own understanding. It's like, why? What am I getting out of it? Right. So this is where we as adults, as, you know, people who are associated with the masjid, we really need to do that extra part. Right. Uh, for example, we see, you know, just to narrow, just to relate this with a, a hadith where Aisha Tan Anha, this hadith is a Bukhari Muslim that she was uh, once surrounded by some people and a beggar came and uh, he asked for some food. So Aisha Anha gave it to him and he, he walked away. And then sometime later, uh, we see that um, a very rich person passed by and he was on his horse, he was on his steed and uh, Aisha Tana invited him. So he got off of his horse and she, 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 she invited him for dinner and then gave him food that way. So the people, the Sahaba, when they saw this, they asked that, you know, why did you treat them differently, right? If the ob objective was to give them charity, you could have given to the same way to the poor person, you know, invited him for food. And you could have done the same thing for, you know, the rich person just handed it over to him. He would have gone on with his day. So then she said, yeah, treat people in dependence to what their status is. Right. And the way I bring this into here is that, look, what are, you know, teenagers and our youth looking for? Right. They want fun. Right. And what does fun mean? It means have being there with their friends, having an activity involved and nine times out of 10 food's got to be there. Right. So what is stopping us as a masjid or as a youth group from bringing those things into it? Right. So this is where we as adults, you know, we're kind of lacking in that aspect is to have that alternative for them because a parent knows that weekend's coming up, his teenager and his friends are going to be making plans, right? So now those plans could be halal, they could be haram, they could be, you know, just going to the park, it could be going to a bar or a club, right? Allah knows best. But us as a parent, rather than yelling at them, getting angry that, no, this is wrong, you can't do this because I said so, my way or the highway, we don't see much benefit going into that, right? So this is where we need to step up. Reality is we need to step up. We need to build them that alternative. Now, it could be something small as allowing the kids or the teenagers to get together at your house, taking them out for an event, right? Taking them out for vacation, right? If not that, best thing we can do, of course, is bring them to the masjid. Now, how do we do that, right? That's where the whole planning and those things come in, in place. And again, it's really about making the masjid an, an attraction, right? And we're not saying that turn the masjid into a Chuck E. Cheese or anything like that, or turn it into, you know, a, 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 a place where all you do is just have fun, run around and, you know, enjoy yourself. But having that alternative where, you know what, 
come to the masjid, let's have a talk, small talk, and then let's do something, right? Let's go out. Let's go outside, play soccer, play ball, right? Or go out for an activity right? have a small games night type of thing. So just having that alternative, that's really one way us as leaders, us as adults in the masjid, we can really help out with those aspects there. So, so you're obviously you're using that from the perspective back to the question. You're using that, I guess, um, scholarly figure yourself to change that perception that you know scholars are cool. Um, you can hang out with us, and we'll do we'll we'll take you to the fun. Yeah, yeah, and being really relatable, right? We need to yeah. be uh, relatable. We need to be able to connect with the youth. And, and, you know, we can't expect that every single teenager that walks in the masjid is going to be wearing a jubba and topi with one, you know, a, 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 a fist long beard. You're going to have that occasional, you know, youngster there who's got a chain, snap back, you know, jeans dragging across the floor. And just, you know, being soft with them, being gentle with them, right? The Prophet once saw Aisha Anha, she was on a horse um, and this, uh, you know, this horse or this camel wasn't listening. So she started beating it. So the Prophet tells her that, yeah, Aisha, you know, um, uh, gentleness is not put into something except that it beautifies it. And it's not taken out of something except that it makes it ugly. So again, being relatable, being gentle with them. Now, at least, you know, you bring them into the masjid first. Invite them for a program or so. Sit and talk to them. And eventually when you have their trust, you have that connection built and that relatability between you two, then bring it up that, you know, this chain, it's great and all. And then you give the hukum, you give that ruling there, right? You let them know, inshallah, right? With these, uh, you know, careful wisdom that you can call it when it comes to, uh, you know, advising as our deen teaches us, right? To be very gentle, uh, to be loving, to be caring. Uh, you know, inshallah, we'll see that progress there as well. But yeah, that's very important as well that us as imams, us as leaders in the community to be, you know, um, relatable, right? To be gentle with them as well. Inshallah, once we have their attention, we have their trust, we can, you know, really put down uh, those extra things that you know a lot of the uncles expect from the youth nowadays. Yeah, I mean, you know, once you build a relationship, it's easier for somebody to understand your perspective, or maybe not your perspective, but the way you're explaining something. Um, Definitely. In our society, in the West, especially, people think having fun is only associated with things which are considered haram or illicit activities in our religion. Why is this perception? Or why is this ideology seeping into our communities that, you know, when you talk with somebody, the only way they'll have fun as a wedding at a wedding is if there's music or dancing involved. They're like, there's no other way to have fun at a wedding. Why is, mm -hmm. you know, why is this coming into our minds? What's going on? So, you know, it could be multiple reasons, but from me as a, you know, someone in, in the uh, community where you have a lot of people coming to you, right, talking to you, asking you questions, it really seems like to me that this whole, you know, concept of enjoyment, like how we define it as, that is what's shaky, right? So if you're going to define fun and enjoyment as, you know, drinks are involved, mixing with the opposite gender is involved, um, music is involved, any of those haram actions, then yeah, I'm sorry to tell you, in that case, haram is not allowed. Uh, fun is not allowed in Islam. But the reality is, no, that's not what the definition of fun is. It means enjoyment, right? It means getting together with people. It, it means having something that makes you happy, right? Makes you laugh. And, and our deen does not look down upon that at all. Right, nowhere do we see in the you know the narrations that you know you can't be laughing, you can't be getting together, you can't be joking around. We see the Prophet him himself he used to joke around. Right, I'm sure you're aware of the uh, narration where an old lady came to the Prophet and she asked him that Ya Rasulullah make dua that I'm admitted to paradise. 
and and he he saw last time replied that uh no old woman or no old lady will enter paradise so she, she started crying and then the Prophet told her that listen you know it's because every single person will become young before they enter into paradise so we don't see anything wrong with joking around and having that fun the reality comes down to staring staying in those boundaries right staying in those boundaries Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set certain boundaries and they're not just for the sake of being a boundary but it's for the sake of protecting ourselves right as you mentioned um in the beginning of you know our talk there that this uh prominent figure who had everything going in life right she had you know um she probably had you know i'm sure she had looks being you know miss uh universe or whatnot uh she had a uh, wealth she had fame she had power but where did that lead her all right as we include see from the outside looking in nowhere right so it's really about boundaries that help ourselves right it's something to protect us and we see the Prophet he gives us a very beautiful analogy of of, of these uh, you know boundaries he says that in the very clear cut right you and i know very well that you know drinking is halal right and so do 99 percent of muslims so why do we see that within those 99% of Muslims, many are still involved in it, right? Reality is it's a lack of iman, right? And, and um, but, uh, you know, just to take this into a more relatable aspect, uh, I'm sure you're aware of this as well, being an American and all, uh, but I read a very interesting fact that in the, in the 1930s, uh, the, the states had a law where they banned alcohol and, and wine consumption in general, right? Prohibition. And, prohibition yes so but people of course on the low were still making it and what they were making uh obviously was impure it was causing a lot of hectic you know a lot of diseases within the I state mean, like moonshine and stuff like that like raw alcohol basically yeah yeah and you know the states apparently they, they spent a lot of a lot of money into this right a lot of people went to jail a lot of people died because of the cause that within four years they weren't able to keep it up they brought it back on you know what no prohibition do what you were doing before that was actually better than what we had going on, right? In comparison to Sabs and Anhum, they could not go without a day except that they had, or any meal, any you know gathering except that they had wine, that they had something to drink. But eventually, when as their iman progressed, when the ayahs of you know prohibition of alcohol came out, Sahaba had drinks up to their mouths. They dropped it right then and there. The streets of Medina were flowing with wine because everyone just got rid of them because that's what it was, right? Our, our iman. So halal is, is clear, haram is clear, and that's where it comes to our iman, right? And it's not saying that, you know, our youth, they all have low iman and it's because, you know, they're not praying, they're not reading Quran, they're not connected to the masajid, but reality is we all fall under that, right? We've all got work to do and we're all really lacking when we compare ourselves to the sahabas at Anhum. But as the hadith goes on to say that, وَبَيْنَهُمَا أُمُورٌ مُشْتَبِهَاتٍ And that between this halal and haram, there's that gray area right those uh, situations that uh, are very unclear to the most people right and Prophet goes on to say if a person protects himself from these you know gray areas then he will protect his deen his religion and his honor right and that's what it is right when we define fun so we need to ask ourselves that okay fine i want to do this thing i want to do this activity whatever it may be right big or small you're with yourself, with your family, or with your friends, where does it fall under? If it's if it's clear cut halal, bismillah, go for it. If it's clear cut halal, we abstain from it. But what happens if it comes in that little gray area, right? So the Prophet is telling us, you stay away from that. You're protecting not only your religion, 
from not having seen, but also your respect, right? the way people look at you, you know, potentially getting caught by, you know, your parents or, you know, someone you look up to, a prominent figure in society. And then the Prophet he gives a beautiful example, a beautiful analogy of how we should be looking at these boundaries, right? And he, he goes on to say that, you know, right? just like a, a, a shepherd who is, you know, herding his, his animals, right? And it's possible that he his sheep that he's, you know, taking care of, they fall under, uh, they cross that line, which is not his, right? And back in the day, um, the kings had their special areas where only they can bring their animals and they can enjoy, and no one was allowed to bring their own animals and graze upon you know, the really nice and green and luscious land. So Prophet himan, and that remember every king has its boundaries. And the boundaries of Allah are those things he has made impermissible, right? Those things that he may has made halal. So this is where, you know, uh, when we look at why is it that, you know, Islam does not allow fun. Islam doesn't allow me to enjoy anything. Reality is it's not that. It's just our definition of fun and uh, us not taking care of those boundaries is where we fall into that. But those boundaries are there not just for the sake of being right or wrong, but to protect ourselves. Right? We know very well our teenagers, what they're involved into. And, and subhanAllah, from the conversations I've had, with a lot of them, they know, right, after falling into the haram, after falling into those bad habits or sins, whatever you want to call it, um, they realize that, listen, you know, this this wasn't it, right? Whatever they thought, whatever they perceived that fun to be and the enjoyment they would get out of it, you know, it really didn't, it came back to haunt them, right? It's, it's something that they really regretted. And, and when they bounce back from that, we see, alhamdulillah, you know, a great, uh, you know, success in their aspect and, you know, being connected to the masjid now after knowing that, listen, these boundaries were set to protect ourselves. And, and you know, that's where we really see that. Why are these things more, you know, uh, adorned? Of course, number one, we've got shaitan. Number two, we've got desires. And also the third thing is not knowing what the boundaries of Islam really are. Hmm. So let's say you're somebody of consciousness. Uh, you know, we don't want to say anybody's good or bad, but somebody of consciousness. You consciously know that drinking alcohol is bad. You have a friend who's Muslim who drinks it. And you want to obviously talk to them and explain to them this isn't a good habit. Now they're like, oh, you always talk about this. You know, this is how I have fun. How would you go about it explaining to this person? You don't want to cut off connections completely. One of the things right. which your which your Sheikh uh, Mawlana Ibrahim Saab said to me once, I met him one time and we were talking, we were having a conversation about um, somebody who liked going to a bar, not to drink, but to hang out. And one of the things which he explained was, he's like, don't cut off the connection with this person. Continue to talk with them. If you cut them off completely, he's like, they may go even further. So mm -hmm. how do you explain to this person with very, you know, kind words, and, you know, at the same time, they may not get the religious gist of it. They are Muslim, but, you know, they may be far from the deen. How are you going to explain to this or get them to understand that this isn't something that is fun or something we should be doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, again, like you said, number one thing is that do not cut them off completely, right? To go on that extremely extreme, you know, other hand that you're haram. I don't want anything to do with you. You're going to hell. I, I don't want to go to hell with you. I'm going to stay away from you. Right, because as a believer, you know, Subhanallah, uh, our, our Deen, our Islam, it, it, it's not selfish. Right, it's not selfish at all. Which is why we see on the Day of Judgment, along with our 
us being asked about our deeds, what we did, but also like, you know, what about your family? What about your friends? You know, how did you react to them? Did you do Amr bil Ma'ruf, and Munkar? Did you command good, forbid from evil and so on? And that's again, what makes us, you know, the best of Ummah is because we do those two things. So yes, number one, definitely not cut them off. But the second thing we want to try and do is, um, you know, show to them that we care for them, right? And, and number one is again, uh, not cut them off. Number two, show them that we care for them when it comes to not only uh, their health, their well-being, them, you know, their lives in general, but also about the hereafter, right? Uh, checking up on them for other things other than the wrong that they're doing. That hey, man, you know, what's up with how have you been praying? How's that going? How many times did you pray today? Right? Small little things like that, and then eventually, when that that trust is built, that you know, this guy thinks that yes, he cares for me. Right? He wants what's good for me. And then, inshallah, when we bring to that aspect that, you know, what are we doing here? What's the point of it? What do we get out of it? It's not worth it. And inshallah, the, you know, at the end, the hidayah comes from Allah, right? Guidance comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. But just doing these small little aspects of showing them that we trust them and asking them, you know, about how their iman is and how they're going about their day. I think these are small little aspects that once they start to trust us, then when we bring into that advice and, you know, try to push them away from it, uh, it'll give re real benefit, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. So one of the things that comes up is a lot of times people, they try to gather in small gatherings with like-minded people, people who, you know, will stay away from haram usually those gatherings are smaller than the gatherings where there's what's it called <laughs> haram going on unfortunately so they'll gather together and generally speaking what will happen is there will be a mutual friend who may be friends with you but who's at the other gathering and you know they'll say things like you know that's lame why do you always hang out with those people um why is it that people think that small gatherings which are staying away from haram are lame but how do you also keep yourself consistent and strong because a lot of times the temptation is there and you're like you know maybe i should just go hang out there i won't do anything wrong but you know maybe i should just go hang out there those guys are my friends they're cool but that's a test of willpower and a few weeks ago i had a, a podcast episode with a sheikh from toronto uh sheikh abdullah Ayaz, and we spoke about willpower and he's like don't consistently try to test your willpower he's like because if you try to test it too much he's like you will give in so mm -hmm. you know the first thing is how do you, you know, people they consider lame, you know, how do you how do you keep that mindset that it's okay to be lame sometimes? And mm -hmm. how do you keep away from ending up in gatherings like that? Yeah, so again, you know, like uh Mona Abdullah he, he mentioned over there that number one is you, you don't want to test yourself, right? Uh we may think we're great and all, and we may think that you know I'm with this group of people or this group of friends, they're doing you know XYZ, but I'm gonna stay with them, I'm not gonna do it. But again, our nafs is with everyone, shaitan is with everyone, and sometimes they get the best of us, right? But another thing we need to remember is what do we prioritize? What do we value more? Do we value how people think of us, uh, our other group of friends, what, what type of respect they have for us? Do we value our you know social status? Or do we value our deen, right? Do we value what is going to really matter us, right? So again, it comes back to building up our iman. Because as the Prophet says that, that a person is on the religion of his friend, right? So look at the people you surround yourself with, right? So this one man, he actually mentioned, I don't, I don't remember if he was a scholar or not, uh, but he said that, you know, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are as a person. 
right? Not only in the aspect of, you know, what your activities are, but also when it comes to our religious aspects. So asking ourselves this question that, you know what? Yeah, I'm with a group of friends. All we do is we go out, eat, and we come home. While on the other hand, I have these other, you know, friends who are spending out late night. They're going on long drives. They're doing this. They're doing that. They look like they're having so much fun. Another thing that comes is, you know, sharing that fun. You got Snapchat, you got Instagram stories, you're viewing those one after another. And man, look, this guy's having so much fun. I wish I was there. Right. So all these things that are pushing us to, you know, um, um, you know, maybe I should do what they're doing. Maybe I should join them. But you're asking us that's a question, you know, taking a step back and saying that, you know, is it worth doing what they're doing when it comes to my akhirah, when it comes to what's matter? It's better that if I'm lame, right, rather than taking, you know, getting myself involved in situations that well, reality is not only harm my akhirah, but also, you know, my, my, my dunya as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things which I mentioned many times on the podcast is we used to have a business. It was a food business, a mobile food business, a food, a food truck, a food truck. And on the weekend, generally speaking, um, the best place to do business is in areas where people are, you know, there's bars and things like that. So that's where it used to be on the weekends. And uh, we would meet a lot of people, including Muslims, obviously not to take anybody's names, but we'd meet a lot of Muslims, non-Muslims. And the, a very common sentiment even amongst non-Muslims was, we don't know why we do this every single weekend. They were like, <laughs> they're like, we, we drink on the weekends to drown out the depression of the week. They're like, but it doesn't help us any more than it did the last week. But they continue mm -hmm. to do it. It's like a habit. And they would always continuously, uh, you know, say the same sentiment that this doesn't help us. It just makes it worse. And it's like, we're trying to drown it, but it doesn't drown. And And so if you actually talk with a lot of these people who you know go out and have this fun um they will tell you that for at the time it seems like a good idea but later on it really doesn't help them out and and i had interaction one time with a young muslim guy and I asked him i was like so what do you do on the weekends he's like well you know we get together i'm like what do you guys do he's like well you know we'll go we'll get a little drunk pre-drinking and then we'll go out and we'll get drunk and we'll go meet women and stuff. I'm like, why are you doing this? He's like, there's nothing else to do. And, you know, a lot of times I'll have conversations. I'll be like, have you tried to find something else to do? So one of the things which you do is you take the youth on trips and, you know, you do local activities. Now, how do you, there's one group of youth which you spoke about who come to the masjid anyway. And, you know, you were talking about they're wearing the thobe and they have the kufi and it's easy to talk with them. How would you convince somebody who isn't inclined to come with you that hey this is actually a good idea come hang out with us this might actually be fun how, do, how how's that process go i think that really comes down to how you present uh you know be it and the events you're talking about right be it uh, a small talk you can have the masjid and again just making it more relatable to them right so so they're looking for something that you know why should i come to the masjid right why bother and if I want to have fun, you know, per se, I can do that with my friends. I can, you know, do this and that. But again, having something that attracts them, right? So, for example, when it comes to skiing, right? And subhanAllah, I'll be honest with you, the majority of the people that come to the youth events that which I myself and our volunteers organize, 90% of those guys, right? And mashallah, my wife does, you know, the same thing on the girl's side and the sister's side. 90% of the audience are those who don't, don't come for salah. They don't come for the daily salah. 
Juma, you'll see them, you know, here and there, and they're not part of the maktab classes, the Quran classes, the evening programs, nothing like that. But only thing that's bringing them that one time is that skiing event, right? So that's what it is, just making it more attractive for them. Having something that will be like, you know what, fine. I might, I don't want to listen to what this guy, you know, with the beard and the hat has to say, but at least I'm getting fun, right? At least I'm getting something out of it. And, and, and that's one thing I always make sure is that whatever event we're having, it could be ski trip, it could be, you know, a overnight stay, it could be a sleepover. We need to have a Islamic perspective to it, right? Because if we don't have that, what's, uh, what, you know, uh, makes us different from like YMCA or, you know, the, the brothers and sister clubs and these type of places who also have youth events, right? They're also taking their kids skiing. They're also taking their kids bowling. But, uh, but alhamdulillah, one thing we always make sure is when we have our events, number one, uh, make the masjid the center, right? Make the masjid where we meet up. Make the masjid where we leave, where we depart. Make the masjid where we have our food and our dinner. From there, what we do, you know, that can differ. And once we have them there is that's when we've got those 10, 15 minutes, right? Give them that little talk. Give them that little reminder, right? That why they should connect themselves to the masjid, right? Why it's important to build a, and surround ourselves with like-minded people, right? Again, uh, making sure that our friends, most of them are Muslim, right? If not all, trying to find the right crowd uh, to stay involved, to stay in touch with when it comes to school and our, you know, other activities. So again, really just making it as, as you know, attractive as we can, right? And the small things work out really, you know, as I said, small things help an attractive flyer, right? If you can get someone who will bid you a nice flyer rather than just, you know, a small masjid this presents, talk this time, right? So have those attractive things on it that talk about, you know, uh, dinner will be included, you know, cause dinner sells, I'll be honest with you, dinner, food always sells, right? And this is not just for the teenagers. Even, you know, the uncle and auntie programs, you put that on the flyer, you'll have them flocking, you know, alhamdulillah. So having something of an attraction, be it an event, an activity, some sort of, you know, food aspect involved, that if, even if they're coming for that, I say that's fine. But once you have them there, that's when it's up to you. How are you going to take those 10, 15 minutes or whatever time you have other than the activity to, you know, shed some light you know, give a small reminder and Allah knows bets, you know, what can click in their hearts. No. So one of the things about it is a lot of times that comes up is whenever I have some of the younger guys come here and we were doing youth activities, we'd always try to keep, you know, there would always be an insistent that we have to have a talk. And I, I understand the importance of a reminder. And, you know, we, I would be like, look, we're going to keep the talk 15 to 20 minutes maximum. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from the older crowd, you know, the pushback is, oh, why not longer? <laughs> and one thing is that the attention span, you know, this is the TikTok and Instagram era where things right. longer than a minute seem too long. But <laughs> the thing about it is, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to, I guess, make sure they get the reminder before or after they have the fun. Why is it a lot of times so elementary not to have a long drawn out talk, but to focus more on the fun, but still have that reminder? How does that work out? Explain that a little bit. Again, you know what? It all really all comes down to keeping them connected, right? Say, uh, you know, this one guy who maybe just comes for Jumaat Salah, high school kid. Uh, he sees, you know what? You've got events going on that you guys are going skiing, right? Or you guys are going out for bowling. He comes to the masjid for that event, an hour-long talk, or right, 30, 45 minutes long. And then you go bowling, and by the time you do that, he's already tired out, right? And, you know, when you're there maybe you're there for like an hour or so okay guys that's it for today we're gonna go home he comes home and then he thinks about like 
you know, I just spent like two, three hours and what did I get out of it? And so in his head, we want this, you know, the, the, this teenager to think that, you know what, he had fun. And if he can take something out of it Islamically to boost his iman, that's a plus for us. But the fact that we got him to come to the masjid, that itself is a win. Right. So for us as organizers, as, you know, leaders, as youth, you know, leaders and type of thing, we need to understand that what are we trying to get out of here? Number one is we want to connect them to the masjid. Right. So through whatever channel that may be, uh, that's great. And if the second thing we can get is to, you know what, that they take something out of it as well with that reminder, of course, you know, keeping it sure, like you said, we're in that, you know, TikTok, Instagram era, 10, 15 minutes, nothing more than that. That's just a plus. That is a benefit for us. I see. So what what other, you know, I know we mentioned the ski trip a few times. What are some different kinds of events you've done, like something very out there? So one thing we, we you know, found, uh, and this was one of our very first events, actually, um, that we found not only a lot of people showed up to, but constant, you know, push from them, themselves, that like, can we do this again, uh, was a event we had called Night of the Sahaba, Night with the Sahaba, actually. Okay. So what it was is basically um, it was an event for boys that we were going to get together at the masjid. And uh, Masjid Aisha, where we are at, is uh, it's on an acreage, right? It's on like five acres of land. It's a small little house right now. Inshallah, we're working on expanding. But because of all that land, um, we were able to build a small little fire pit, right? So the the the, the, the guys got together, right, um, around Isha time. We Again, we had a small talk right after Isha. Right, Isha Salah finished. They're sitting there anyways because they're gonna meet up. Small five, ten minute talk, and then we went outside. Uh, and all we did was we had s'mores, right? We had marshmallows, we gathered around that fire pit, we talked. And you know, as you know, kids love gin stories. So we had a few gin <laughs> stories, and then uh we came back inside, we had dinner, and then we had a sleepover. And these are guys who, you know, it was just a regular Saturday night, they didn't have anything better planned, and they they brought their friends with them. You know, it wasn't just one person coming. Every single person had at least three, four people they brought. So they brought the sleeping bags. They were excited, of course. And you know very well how brown parents are with sleepovers, right? They're, they really don't, for some reason, they hate that. Right? <laughs> Letting their kid go over for the night. So again, no parent was going to say no to a sleepover at the masjid. Yeah. So the parents were happy about it. Yeah, go ahead, stay the night at the masjid. And then alhamdulillah, uh, they didn't get much sleep, of course, because they were all together. Never uh, happens. We woke, <laughs> we, we, we woke up for tahajjud. Okay. Right? We all we had a bit of qiyamul layb, and then we had we prayed fajr salah with jama'ah. We had a small breakfast, and then everyone parted their ways. And subhanAllah, we had arranged food and everything like that for maybe 20 to 30 people because our community is small, right? And we didn't expect much of a of a uh, you know audience there. And we had about 60 guys. 60 guys showed up from all across the city not just our you know community of, of you know in southwest edmonton but all over the place because i went around asking like i've never seen you before nor have i seen you know do i know your dad he's like yeah i came from the north side i'm like how he's like oh my friend he comes to the masjid he told me we're having this and you know i wanted to come so see again these small little things like for example just we call the night night with the sahaba right if you told a kid you know you told a high school guy that we're having this come through, he might not come, but having a bonfire involved, having yeah. that dinner involved, having that sleepover, these were the things that probably brought them there. And along with that, they got to pray. They got to pray to Hajjah. They got to pray Fajr Salah, right? And spend the night in the, in the masjid. You know, what a blessing is that? And Alhamdulillah, you know, we, we got great things out of that too. How about how about doing a night of the Jannat 
would that you know would that bring people in or no <laughs> oh definitely yeah yeah so even when we were having that gin story you know a little session there is like can we have more can we have more and subhanallah we're like in a forest right if, <laughs> if you look us up on google maps all you see is green <laughs> right so i'm not gonna lie it was scary and some of these you know guys were like you know what? i think that's enough let's go back inside but <laughs> having anything to do with gins you know these, these kids love it uh, i i floated the idea of uh people thought it was kind of crazy they were like who would want to do a stargazing event i was like we should have an event where you know like our masjid outside of our masjid in the front we have like a huge lawn and I was like, you know, we could call somebody, some educated sheikh, you know, if you ever listen to Mawana Tariq Jameesab, you know, he, he explains the sky and the building up, build up of the sky, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala built it, um, you know, based on the Quran and the Hadith. I was like, if we can get a good scholar to do that, I was like, I think we could get a bunch of people to come out and put their towels out on the lawn and lay down and look at the sky and have a scholar explain how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala built the sky built bit by bit. I think it would be pretty mm -hmm. interesting. Definitely. Yeah. No, I think that would be great. Um, it would yeah. be an alternative event, but you know, it's if it brings people, why not? Um, yeah, yeah, and, and really, it's it's about all, having those, you know, alternatives. Uh, one thing I just remember, one of the events we did, we always have an event on Halloween. Every Halloween, we have an event at the masjid, right? Okay. And we never say that, you know, this is uh, subhanAllah, you know, I guess they're doing their part, but a lot of masjids do something called Halloween. Halloween. Very corny. Halloween, right? And they'll have. They'll he said have very corny. <laughs> Right, they'll have pumpkins and candies on their poster that come, you know, for this and that. And alhamdulillah, you know, that's great. Of course, not looking down upon them. But again, um, for me, it was more like you know having that alternative for them. And we have this every year, and it's something small as we come, we get together, have a small talk, you know, uh, we have dinner, and you know, that's it. But one of the parents came up to me one of these uh, one of these times uh, when we had this event on Halloween. He said, "You know, the only thing that got my kid to come to this event was the fact that his friends were asking that, hey, what are you going out as on Halloween? Are you coming trick or treating with us?' So now he had an excuse to say that he's not going to say I'm not coming because my parents said so. Because again, that's lame that your parents are so strict. Blah blah blah. This is nothing. How is it haram?" But he said, oh, I'm going to an event at the masjid. And he sent them the flyer that, listen, I'm going to this event. That's why I can't come. So for him, you know, it might not have been like, you know, alhamdulillah, I'm going to the masjid. For him, it was like, you know what? At least I have an alternative. At least I have an excuse why I'm not going, you know, trick-or-treating and so on. But God came to the masjid, right? Attended a talk, had dinner. And uh, we not only got them to come to the masjid, but we protected them from something which, you know, uh, you, as you and I know, these are small things like going trick-or-treating, but in the eyes of a child, you know, in the heart of a child, these are small, you know, kufri things really have a deeper effect uh, in the long run and in terms of how we look at things. And, you know, alhamdulillah, we protected them from that too. So, again, having those alternatives, that's really the main goal we want to do. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand that a lot of times if we give legitimacy to a small act, the bigger act becomes easy. And, you know... Definitely. We've, we've seen it throughout the course of time and you know having these open conversations like i'm sure if a kid came to you at the masjid and asked you that you know why shouldn't i go for halloween trick-or-treating or something you probably wouldn't say oh it's haram you would explain to them oh why don't we do this this is better for us and it's always explaining the other way for, for a lot of people you know, just saying straight up, oh, this is a halal, this is a haram, it makes more sense for them. But for a lot of people who are a little bit maybe further away, or maybe they don't have the understanding, when you try to go that way, it, it creates more barriers for them. They're like, oh, that's yeah, a yeah, for me to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's it called? Um, 
You're having a little bit of static. Am I? Am I? Yeah. Uh, is it my camera? Or my microphone? What do you think? You think? I don't know. What's oh, smile, smile. I mean, on my end, I haven't touched anything. So. <laughs> Hold up. Let me see. Here, go ahead. Talk. Yeah. Can you hear me now? I can still hear you, but it's still a little bit of static. But what's it called? Um. So far, it's been going good, but all of a sudden, I decided that you know, kind of method. But, but but it's all good. Um, so what I'm maybe turn my volume, maybe turn the volume down a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it's how about now? It's a little bit better. It's a little bit static, but it's okay. Yeah, I guess uh, my uh, computer volume. Maybe if I need to turn that down. Oh no, now it's good. Now you're good. Okay, perfect, perfect. Okay. So what's it called? What I was gonna ask you now uh, is, I want you to give us your final thoughts that how can we continue to stay in the halal and try to stay Mufti Muhammad Jafri saying try using headphones he's good now Mufti uh, what's it called okay b uh, back to the question um, how can we try to continue to keep ourselves in the halal keep the mindset that just because something people say it's fun and it's haram doesn't mean we have to participate in it. What are your, you know, s sum up the thoughts and let us know what you think about that. So as a teenager, right, or a, a youngster, you know, that's that's really our target, you know, niche over here is that to really ask ourselves that, you know, look at the people who are involved in those so-called fun activities, right? Um, how happy are they? What are they gaining out of it, right? Is the lifestyle they have something we really want to take a risk into taking? And, you know, and, and subhanAllah, you know, in this day of, of knowledge, right, where knowledge is so accessible, we know very well all the harms that come with these things, right? It, it's not something that's hidden. It's not something that only a few people know. We know the harms of drinking. We know the harms of, you know, uh, you know X, Y, Z. I don't want to get into the details about that, but ask ourselves, that are we really pushing you are we is it worth going into those aspects is it worth going into those activities am i really going to get what i'm looking out for right am i really going to gain anything out of it and second thing is is that you know weigh your priorities right we come back to that that what what what's more valuable to me right um you know i may also have you know 50 other things that i'm doing wrong but i do i really want to add something more to that Right. Are my sins not enough? You know, when it comes to me being a youngster, maybe having a hard time with my gaze, maybe having a hard time uh, with my desires that do I really want to bring more things into this? Or would I rather, you know, work on, you know, removing those things and adding on to, you know, my good habits there. So, again, really taking that step back and before making a decision, you know, take some insight that what what am I trying to get out of it? And again, you know, uh, try to get connected. Right. Try to get connected to your local masjid. Try to get connected with to someone you can relate to. This can be a scholar. This can be someone who is, you know, respected in the community. Someone you look at and be like, you know what? I don't mind being, you know, in this type of lifestyle. I don't mind, uh, you know, having the habits that this person has. Because once we connect ourselves to a someone to someone who is an elder, who is a scholar, who is an imam, is uh, then we'll see that you know what again how we come back to how our gatherings have an effect on us, right? Our gatherings have an effect on not only our our, our activities but also our iman. Is again you know trying to do whatever we can on our end to build our iman, cut out our sins, and bring good habits into our lives. Inshallah. Jazakallah khair, jazakallah khair. Um, this is this was only the surface of the topic. Um, I 
we didn't get deep into it. Just we basically stayed on, you know, permissible, impermissible as far as what people think and what people perceive. And the whole purpose was to give a view, you know, obviously from the perspective of a scholar who deals with this, who creates programs for society and for his community in Edmonton. Um, and, and as you heard and as you saw, he's talking about people coming from North Edmonton who he hasn't seen before just because they made the program accessible and they made the program fun. And it had all the elements of something being halal. People spent the whole night in the masjid. Kids spent the whole night in the masjid and the parents were okay with it. So fun can be halal. It can be made halal. Mashallah, they do what's it called? They do tours. I think Sheikh Hassan Sheikh, he does the, what's it called? Um, what is it called? Uh, Husna Social. Husna, you know, they have the whole halal traveling. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're going to Cancun or someplace like that. And the food is all zabiha. You know, the activities are fun. There's separate activities for the sisters. There's separate activities for the brothers. And, you know, it's not like the sisters are sitting on the side knitting or anything like that. They have activities which are fun activities for them as well. And they have fun activities for the brothers and the kids and everybody. So we can create this ecosystem. We can create the system. We just have to be supportive. And we have to continue to support our ulama like Sheikh Zahib and other ulama who are trying to put these good activities together for our youth. And, you know, we have to provide them the moral support. We have to be there for them. And we also have to provide the physical support because they continue to need our support. Because if we're not there for them, who else? Are, you know, obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there for them. I'm not saying that. But obviously we as a people who continue to worry about it, if we're not there for them, then who else is going to step up? Um but Jazakallah Khair for joining me. Um, I, I may have spoke too much. Um, I no, may not no. have given you enough time. Um, you, you, uh, you, fortunately for me, you answered most of the questions in like uh, in one answer. Like at the beginning, you went through. You, uh -huh. you, you answered most of the questions. There's a brother named Rahim. He says Jazakallah Khair. Um, I, I don't know if he's from your masjid or if he's just somebody viewing. But what's it called? Um, but, you know, I really appreciate you giving your time and really addressing these issues, especially from the perspective of, very, of a very young scholar who, alhamdulillah, seems as though you have a lot of experience. No, no, no. Duh. You know, alhamdulillah, we're, we're doing our, our part, right? At the end of the day, this is khidmah of the deen, right? I myself, I'm doing it my way. And mashallah, you're doing it in your way. So we ask Allah to make it easy for us. We ask Allah to accept our efforts. And, uh, you know, again, Jazakallah Khair for what you're doing here. May Allah put barakah in your work. May Allah accept this work from you and uh, make Ameen. it fruitful for the community, inshallah. Amin, Amin. Jazakallah Khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.